I tell you what, there's nothing to me sweeter than hearing people sing the praises of God. Amen? I mean, I absolutely love it. Now, I'm a musician. I like to sing, and so that's, that's one of my things. But if that don't bless your heart, I think your blesser must be broken or something, you reckon? Uh, it's, it's been good to be here, and, uh, I, and I almost just asked Cecil to keep on singing, and uh, he might come back and sing later. We might just sing that again if that's all right with you, Cecil. So go ahead and chalk that up for the invitation song. James, chapter number four. We're going to move uh, to the next chapter, and we're going to go a few verses in to the sixth verse. And this, this message this morning, is, uh, it's, it's been something that, that uh, I've, I've been dealing with for a while, uh, not necessarily preaching this message, but the, the subject of the message. And it's a really, really well-known and, and famous phrase in Scripture. So let's stand uh, to honor the reading of God's Word. James chapter 4, verse number 6. We're going to read down through verse number 10. If you're there, uh, please say amen. All right, people are there. And I love to hear the pages of Bibles turning. That's, that's music to my ears as well. The Bible says this, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and God, we thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And Lord, I've been blessed, and, and I thank you for people that are meeting together and singing your praises and, and just lifting you up. God, and I thank you for giving us the comforter, sending the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. And, and Lord, we know that, that you've moved in a mighty way. And Lord, as we go into the sermon and go into the, the time of the preached word, God, I pray that you would continue to bless and have your way. Lord, you already know the message. It's already been recorded in heaven this morning. And God, I just pray that you would... Uh, deal with people as, as you need to, Lord, and you would be preeminent in this service. That it wouldn't be about me, it wouldn't be about us, it wouldn't be about Cookville Free Will Baptist Church, but it would be about the Lord God who sits on high. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I know what y'all are thinking. I told you that I've been dealing with this, and then you read that part about cleanse your hands, you sinners, and, and you double-minded, purify your hearts, and you think, well, that guy's been doing something he shouldn't be doing. But verse number 8, what's, I've been really, been. this is, this is going to be the crux of the message. I'm going to give you what the message is about, and then I'm going to build up to that. But verse number 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Let me ask this question. How many of you are satisfied or, or are happy with where you're at in relationship to God? Would anybody in this room be brave enough, be willing to say, yes, I think that I'm as close to God as I could be and as I should be? I think nobody, I don't see any hands going up. I don't think anybody would raise their hand and say, yeah, you know, I, I'm right there as close to God as I need to be. In fact, as, as I studied this sermon and, and studied this scripture, and, and a lot of times, I'll tell you what happens. Does scripture ever convict you 
It does, right? It, it should. That's what, the, that's what the scripture's all about. And that's what, what God speaking to you. And as God spoke to me, see, the thing about it is, is when, when I start studying for this sermon or way earlier in the week than y'all hear it, God starts dealing with me about stuff. And George, maybe that happens in Charlie, our adult Sunday school teachers. And Randall, maybe you study things in Scripture. And Mark, as you've preached, have you ever dealt with something in Scripture where God dealt with you before you got to preach that sermon? And Tanner, I mean, all these preachers and all these teachers should know exactly what I'm talking about. And this week, as, as I studied this, I got convicted. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to stand up here and, and act like that, that I'm just the holiest person to ever walk the earth because I, I absolutely am not. And I got to thinking back to times in my life and about when I was closer to God than I've, I, I probably am now. And see, the thing about it is, is hopefully... I'm, I'm not alone in that. I would say that, that people could say, yes, there's been times in my life I've been closer to God than I am right now. And, and I'll, I'll give you some examples of that, but, but that is the, that's the crux of the message this morning. That's the message in a nutshell. And, and, and I, could, I could just stop right now and we could have an altar of prayer, right? Because we all know that, that that's, that's enough said, but as a preacher... I've got to be here for about another 45 minutes, so just bear with me. But he starts in verse 6. James is writing. And he says, but he giveth more grace. It's obviously, he being God. God is the only one that, that can actually give us grace. And it says that wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but give grace to the humble. And then he goes on to say, submit yourselves Therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As I studied this this week, and, and I poured over it, and, and Mark came by, and he'll, he'll attest to this. I like to read the Greek and stuff, and, and I'm not going to even give you the words, but there's two words that really are almost the same Greek word, and they have the, just a different prefix. Kind of like, Joanna, you're an English teacher, right? Do you teach English? She thinks so. Joanna will tell you that the English language is one of the most confusing things for people to learn because there's so many words that have so many meanings that are the same and so many ideas, and, and you get somebody that whose, English, whose language is not English and try to teach them English, and they're going to just stare at you because we don't make sense to them. And so that's how I feel sometimes when I was study this and study the Greek and read into the Hebrew and things like that. But there's two words that almost have the same meaning, but they have a different prefix, which completely changes everything. And those two words here are resist and submit. Resist and submit. And those words uh, have just a slightly different prefix. Now, I think about resisting. And I think about people who resist arrest. That's where you hear that resist a lot. Or, or, you know, I couldn't resist that woman. That means I couldn't stay away from her or whatever it may be. And you husbands should say that about your wives. Amen on Valentine's Day. I just, she's just irresistible, right? I mean, I know all you men are thinking that, but I'm going to say it for you. I'm going to throw it out there. And so we, we think about resisting. But, but in this context, to be resisted here would be awful, it would be a terrible thing to be in verse number 8 and, and be in a position where God 
the creator of the universe, God who created everything that you see, and God who created you, created mankind and, and put you in your mother's womb and, and, and gave you life and gave you breath and gave you uh, the ability to come into this world, how would you like to think for a moment that God is actually resisting you? That God is pushing you away? That's not a pleasant thought, is it? That's not something that, that's not a position I want to be in. But yet I feel like that, that God doesn't want to be in that position either. Amen? See, back to verse number eight is God wants you as close to Him as you are willing to be. But the thing about it is, is, is when you draw nigh to God, the initiator is who? It's you. But so many times God has to resist people because of their pride. And, and, all, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you've been here for every uh, sermon in the book of James, it seems like that James has a recurring theme of pride versus humility. Over and over again that keeps coming up and we'll get into that a little deeper. But then we see the word submit yourselves therefore to God. Verse number 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I have a really simple message. I wish I could say that, that I've got something just super elaborate and, and something that just would blow your mind theologically. And you say, well, I've never seen that in Scripture. But the truth is, is this message, you can ask any preacher, preaches itself. It, it always does. Draw nigh to God. I heard a corny, super corny story this week. It's it, tomorrow. Is it tomorrow or Thursday is Valentine's Day? Is that tomorrow? Today is the 13th. So Valentine's Day is tomorrow. And just in case you didn't know that and, and you need to make dinner reservations, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. But I heard a really corny story about a man and a woman. And most of you have probably heard this story. And, uh, and you, know how, you know how people, when they get older, they, they'll just say about anything, right? I mean, they, sometimes some of you older people say amen. Man. <laughs> About a man and a woman driving down the road, and, and uh, they were in a Buick because Buicks are big cars. And uh, the woman looks over at the man, and, you know, in a Buick, I mean, he's sitting over here and she's sitting over here, right? And uh, he's, he's driving like this, looking over the steering wheel, and and she looked, and whatever his name was, she said, you remember when we were dating? And uh, I said, I, I used to just be right next to you. And I said, as close to you as I possibly could. Some of you are still there. Some of you are in the shape of the older couple. Would you say amen to that? I mean, that's just the truth, right? I mean, when I was in high school, it was like sometimes I would see uh, teenage boys and girls driving down the road and I wondered if the passenger side didn't have a floorboard and she was just worried for her safety is why she was sitting that close. But the, the woman looks over and she said to her husband, do you remember when we used to sit really close together? An old man looked back at her and you know what he said, anybody? He said, I hadn't moved an inch. He's still sitting there in the driver's seat and throughout the years, for whatever reason, she just edged out and moved over. And finally, she's, she's over there, and he's over here. Now, that's, that's funny. It's a joke. It's corny. But, but I think that we sometimes put ourselves in that position with God. We, we get to the point where we, we, all of a sudden we wake up one day, and it occurs to us, I am not as close to God 
as I once was. And we think, what's happened? Well, see, the thing about it is, if we were this close to God when we got saved, well, I think, actually, when you get saved, you're a little further away, and you should continue to move closer to God. God is unchanging, right? God has not moved. God, he's not changed in one aspect of his character so the, the person that obviously must have the problem in this situation is us. I think back to when I was dating Lacey. And uh, my father-in-law is here this morning. And so uh, he'll, he'll remember this, hopefully. I was, I was dating Lacey. And I remember that, that I was praying for a wife. And I talked to a preacher. And, and I may have told you all the story about this. And, and I was praying. And I was, I, was, I was just, I knew I needed to get married. But I didn't know who I needed to get married to. And I prayed. And I prayed. And it seems like the more I prayed, the more serious I got. And then God revealed it to me. That's who I was supposed to marry. And we've got married. And, and, and I, was, I would say at that point in my life, I was 25 years old, that I was as close to God as I have ever been in my life. That's when I answered the call to preach. Now, let me say this, that just because you get close to God doesn't mean you're going to start preaching. But that was how it was in my case because God had called me to preach when I was 18. And I had, I had ran from him and then I got back close to him again. And now that I'm, that was 10 years ago, and that's hard for me to say that 25 was 10 years ago, and I look back and I, and I ask myself this week, am I as close to God now as I was then? And some of y'all are, are probably judging me right now and saying, well, you're the preacher. You ought to be super close to God. And you're right. And I consider myself to be close to God. I, I do all the right things, but get this, being close to God is not about just checking boxes. Amen. It's about having that personal, intimate relationship with Him. And so as we study the Word of God and we ask ourselves, well, what is it going to take for me to get back to where I was? What is it going to take for me to, to get back in the position in that relationship that is close to God? And it's in this scripture right here, and, and I love that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Amen? that I didn't have to go seek out some man's opinion or what he thought or what he said, but I can go straight to Scripture and find how to get in that right relationship with God. And I believe the first thing that it takes is found in verse number 7. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And I always thought this, was, uh, this verse always went together, but if you notice, after the word God, there's a, there's a period there. So that is a standalone statement that we must submit ourselves, therefore, to God. Submission is not something that we like to do these days. In fact, submission seems to be on its way out almost. It's not super popular. And what submission means here is simply to come under somebody else. If you were in the military, if you, if you went through boot camp, you know what it is to be submissive, to be put into submission. And you understand that these, when, you, when you submit to these officers in the military, and this is actually a military term, this word submission here. So James was trying to make you understand and make the readers understand that when we fall under the, the, the God's control, that it's for our own good. 
But submission is, is not super popular these days. I'm not going to really get into it, but Ephesians chapter 5, it's, it says that husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands. And women read that or wives read that and, they, and they, a lot of them get mad. But that is, that's not a word. That, don't, that doesn't make you a doormat. That doesn't mean that you're less or that you're anything else. It just means that God has, has put you in that position for your good. And God, God put the, the husband in a certain position and, and guess what? The man falls under God, right? And so, I mean, we're in a, we're in a position of submission too. But we first must submit ourselves to God. And when we think about it in the terms of, of the military and, and, and things like that, when you go through boot camp and they teach you to submit, what that means is this. Boot camp was how long, Dale? How long were you in boot camp? Eight weeks. Longest two months of your life, right? It was long. And when you go to boot camp and they teach you to submit, when you go into boot camp, you went in as a civilian and, and you had a mind of your own. And you did what you wanted to. When you come out of boot camp, somebody else is making your decisions for you. Now in the context of God, that's not a bad thing at all. Amen? Think about being submissive to God. That means when God tells you to do something or to go somewhere, to, to go to somebody and say something or whatever it may be, that you immediately say, yes, God, I'll do whatever it is that you ask me to do. And we put ourselves in a submissive position. The next thing that we must do in order to be close to God, in order to draw ourselves back to Him, is found in the next verse, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And then He says to cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I would say, and, and I've, I don't, obviously there's no way to measure this, but if, if there was a statistic on the reason that people get away from God, I would say that way up there on the list, would be that they allow sin in their life. Would you say amen to that? And we, and, and we don't really ever want to admit that. We don't ever want to say, yes, I, I've got sin in my life and, and I've allowed things into my heart that shouldn't be there. But in the very same verse, he says, if you want to draw an eye to God, you've got to cleanse your hands. The hands is a, is, a, is a picture of the outside of your body. Now, obviously, we can do nothing in our body that, that is good enough to, to go to heaven, right? I mean, you, you can't live right enough. You can't do right enough. But I still believe that Christians ought to live right. Would you, you agree with that? That, that, that? that when God saved you and put you on your way to heaven, that you ought to live like God is your Savior, and not live just, just as close to the edge and as close to the edge of the world as you can get and say, well, I'm still going to heaven, but I'm going to stay over here close to the edge. No, God wants you in the center of his will as far away from that sin as you can get. He says, cleanse your heart, you sinners, or cleanse your hands, you sinners. And then he says, purify your hearts. And then here's this word, double-minded. It means to have two minds. I can barely live with one. I don't know what it'd be like to live with two minds. But he also says that earlier in the book of James, I believe it's around James chapter 1, verse number 8, James says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What that means is this, is that you can't live for God and fulfill the lust of your flesh and have sin in your life. I would, I'll tell you what I would like to see in our church and, and in our area is, is a great move of God. 
I had a I had a long theological discussion with a guy this week. Well, it was my friend Avery, the one that I told you I tell everything to. And we were talking on the phone, and I talked to him for two hours. And, and our whole subject that we talked about was, would it be possible to have another great revival like, like it was seen you know, in the, the 20s and 30s and, and when people like Billy Sunday was preaching and even into like the, the era of Billy Graham. And I said, is, is that possible? And obviously, I mean, with God, all things are possible, right? Now, in order for that to happen, you know who's going to have to get right first? God's people. If you want to see a great move of God, and, and you know when that was going on, uh, people were getting saved by the, by the hundreds and by the thousands, and, and you know you, you hear about all these stories, and, and some of them are just, just awesome stories, almost, almost too good to be true, but remember with God, all things are possible. But if we ever wanted to, to see that happen, it, it's going to have to start here. I heard one guy say this, uh, you know, we, we sometimes have revivals here. We had a revival last May with Brother David Crow. I don't, I don't care if you want to call it a revival or a renewal or a rekindling or whatever you want to call it. We need some people to get right with God. Amen? And, and I believe in order to see sinners saved and in order to see uh, uh, people reclaimed that are backsliders, in order to see all that happen, God's people need to get serious about serving God and they need to get closer to God. And that, that seems like a cliche and, and, and well, duh, you know. But sometimes we just need to have some duh moments, right? We just need to be able to stop and say, yeah, that's right. Purify your hearts. And then he goes on and he says this. And, and this one, I chewed on this for a while. Verse number nine, he says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Now, that doesn't mean that God just wants you to, to walk around downcast uh, and downtrodden all the time with a frown on your face. What that's talking about is this, that to be afflicted about what? To mourn about what? what? What are we weeping about? Well, the church is not weeping about a whole lot these days, I don't think. But the first thing that I, I would say to, to draw closer to God that you need to weep about is that sin in your life. Sin doesn't bother anybody anymore, amen? I, I look at Brother Albert and, and Aunt Ruth is here this morning and, and folks that have, have been with us a little while. It, it used to be that people were, were bothered by sin, that, that you tried to, if, if you were, were going to commit sin or if you were going to live in sin, you, you tried to hide it. Anybody remember that? It used to be a thing, sort of, maybe. It's not like that anymore. If, if we commit a sin, you know what we oftentimes do? We just make a joke out of it. We just laugh about it and go on or try to make an excuse. You know what you ought to do? When, when you commit a sin, when you knowingly do something that God is not pleased with according to his word, that should break your heart. To think that you have, you have done something that God is not pleased with. Now I know there's grace, I know there's mercy, I understand that, that God is willing to, to give us grace, but folks understand this, that, that it, it, God hates sin, 
Amen? God will not tolerate sin. And so, therefore, I, I believe that we should have that attitude that, that if we have sin in our lives, it should break our hearts. But the truth is, it doesn't. When's the last time you saw anybody weeping over their own sin? Brokenhearted that they have done something to offend a holy God. Just don't happen anymore, does it? Well, it should. Amen? I mean, we should be willing to, to weep and to cry and say, God, help me. God, forgive me. And if you're willing to do this, then, then verse number 10 comes in, and, and this is where it takes effect. He said, if you're willing to do this, if you're willing to be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness, if you'll do these things, then God will lift you up. And then the last thing that I want to talk about, and I'm circling back to it from, from where we talked about it earlier, is you have to humble yourself. See, in order to submit to God, you have to be humble. In order to weep over your sin, you have to be humble. Humility requires that you are willing to admit that you are wrong. I have trouble with that sometimes. Anybody besides me ever have trouble admitting that they're wrong? Is that, is that just me? Anybody willing to raise their hand on that, Sister Holly? Praise the Lord, I'm not the only one. Y'all get on the altar, okay? <laughs> I mean, we, we have to be willing to admit sometimes we mess up. We make mistakes. The thing about it is, and it is wonderful, is that when we admit that, God is willing to forgive us. That's what repenting is. It's turning away from our sins. And even as saved people, people that are on their way to heaven that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, there still needs to be some repentance in our lives. Amen? There still needs to be some times in our life where we stop and say, you know what? I've got some things in my life that do not need to be there. They may be outside things. They may be that you have to cleanse your hands like the Bible said. Or it may be some things internally that nobody else knows about. It may be hatred. It may be a number of things internal. But the fact of the matter is that, that you can't be close to God, as close to God as you need to be or would like to be, if you have that sin living within you. You, you know the, the, old, the, the old verse that we... We use a lot, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Everybody knows that, right? You should be able to, to just jump up and, and, and throw this out there. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And some people would say, well, that applies to the children of Israel and and, you know, that don't really apply to the modern-day Christian. But as I read through that verse and as I studied it, it sounds like a lot of the things that God expected his people to do in the Old Testament, he expects us to do. If my people will humble themselves and they'll pray and they'll seek my face and then the, the most, one of the most important things, and turn from their wicked ways, that is how you draw nigh to God. You don't, you don't have to worry about God drawing nigh to you. If you'll just make that first step towards him, if, if you'll be willing to, to admit that you need to do some, something different with your life, and you'll make that first step, and you'll make that first move, God will meet you. 
And, and not only will he meet you, but he'll, I believe he'll draw you closer to him. I, th- I think there's, when, when I was as close to God, I mean, it was a, it's a supernatural thing, right? It's not about the, what we can do in ourselves. It's about him. But we need to be ready and we need to prepare ourselves. Now, this is, again, super simple. This is, this is a no-brainer. This is not the deepest thing you've ever heard. Probably uh, won't be the, the longest message you've ever heard. But I want God to do great things in my life. I want God to do great things in your life. I want God to do great things with this church. But it's going to start with God's people being right with him. It's going to start with God's people being close to him. If we're not there, we need to get there. We need to get some people serious about serving God. Now this is really simple. And so I, and, and I preach shorter on purpose. And this is my intention. That, that without even uh, a, a big song, let's, let's just all stand up. The message, the message is over. It's out there. God has, I believe that his word is out there, and I don't believe it's going to return void. And let's just bow our heads for just a minute. And uh, we'll, we'll sing in just a few minutes. But, but I want everybody, I want to take a time for self-examination. Now, I asked you the question earlier in the message. I said, are you as close to God as you once were. Some of you, I could, I could tell by the look on your face, no, I'm, I'm not as close as I even once was, but are you as close as you want to be and as close as you should be? And the answer to that is, no, probably not. I would implore you that the only way to get closer to God is, is to humble yourself. Pride is, is a super hard pill to swallow. But sometimes you've just got to swallow your pride and you've got to just get on your face before God and say, God, examine me. I mean, we already know about some sin in our lives and, and some things that shouldn't be there without really the Holy Spirit doing a great examination. I mean, it's pretty obvious from surface level. But sometimes we've got to ask God, God, dig, dig way deep down in there and identify what it is that may be drawing me away from you. I mean, I want to be close to God. I really do. That's the, that's the only way that you're, you're going to make it through this life and not, not go crazy is be close to God. And Christian, I would encourage you without a song this morning, it, would somebody be willing to step out and come to the altar and say, God, I want to be close to you. God, I, I need you in my life. I need you to move in my life. I, I mean, I know we need a, a nationwide revival. I get that. I understand that. But right now, I'm, I'm looking for an individual revival for just people to get right with God. We'll, we'll worry about the county. We'll worry about the, the state and the nation when we, get, when we get individuals where they need to be. Somebody needs to come to the altar. I know you do. And, and don't, don't be afraid. And, and we're not, we're not going to judge you because I know everybody can be on the altar this morning. I'm going to pray and, and then I'm going to go down and get down on the altar myself. Father, we, we come to you with, with a broken heart this morning. Lord, knowing that we need, we need you. God, we need you to, to move. 
And it may not be in the form of a great revival. It may not be uh, something that's just manifested real big on the outside. But God, deep down in our hearts, we know that we need you. And we need to hear from you. And Lord, we need, we need you to heal us. And Lord, we're not going to see any of that until the people of God are willing to get serious about you. Lord, for these folks that are on the altar, God, I pray that you would help them. Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, and and that, Lord, you would just help them to to be on fire for you. But, God, there's a lot of folks here in this church this morning that need a lot more of you, and they're not willing to admit that. They're not willing to admit that, that maybe what they're doing is not working and, and, and whatever path they're on is not the right path. They may be saved and on their way to heaven, but still they don't have that right relationship with you. And I know there's people that are here this morning that don't even know you as their Savior. They can't even fully understand what, what it is to draw an eye to you because they don't have that relationship with you. God, I pray that you would deal with them. That's another thing that breaks my heart is not only the condition of of our sin in our lives, but it breaks my heart that there's people that are willing to die and go to hell rather than to humble themselves and ask you to be their Savior. God, we pray for your help. God, help us. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute. And I encourage you to please, if, if God is drawing you, please come and, and just, just get serious with Him. And when I, I'm going to get down and pray. If somebody wants to sing or wants to play, that's fine. But, but let's just have a time of prayer and, and a time of renewal with God.